afternoon. I am Dr. Rochelle Whitaker, but you can call me Dr. Shell. I am the host of the Mahogany Moms podcast. But this afternoon, I am talking about all things parenting with the Millennial Her podcast. Y'all, y'all don't want to miss it. Check it out. You are now tuned in to Millennial Her. You are now tuned in to Millennial Her podcast. You are now tuned in to Millennial Hurt Podcast. Tune in, tune in to Millennial Hurt. Tune in, tune in to Millennial Hurt Podcast. Hey y'all. Hey. Welcome to the Millennial Hurt Podcast, episode eight. It takes a village. It really does. I know I haven't been in studio. But I'm she's back today. Book, busy and blessed. <laughs> <laughs> but she's back and I missed you. I missed you too. And I missed the team. So. <laughs> you, taking this? you need to tell I, us. <laughs> what, what are we talking about today, Cheryl? So first, make sure y'all support our Patreon. Yes. At www.patreon.com backslash the Millennial Herd podcast. We need the, we support. Need the support. To Especially. give you this great content that keeps coming. <laughs> so definitely uh, make sure that you uh, pay attention for the information that will be rolling at the bottom of our screen. But it's always good to do a little reminder. But like Cheryl said, it takes a village. Today's episode is all about parenting because I'm a parent. Shout out to uh, my friend uh, who is a business owner. She's created Black Swan Maternity Co. She's actually, uh, well, I bought this. I support my black business owners. Okay. Um, uh, so she is selling great merchandise for parents. Yes! So definitely want to shout out to the CEO, De La Swan. I love you. But um, yeah, so we are uh, definitely just talking about that. We have a special guest coming in uh, later. Her name is Dr. Rochelle Whitaker. She is very esteemed in her field. She can talk to um, therapy for parents, uh, dealing with disabled children, dealing with Every, every child. She's a life really. coach. She has her own podcast and she's Called gonna Mahogany drop moms. She's gonna drop them gems. So let's get into hot topics. Go ahead, Cheryl. Kick okay, us off so to this I have the this story, <laughs> y'all. Listen, so this story about this whole slavery yoga that's been going viral is really killing me. A kindergarten teacher in Delaware combined black history slash slavery lessons with yoga mm -hmm. as an attempt to being interactive while educating and instructing her students. She then on the video, she said, you know, to do the boat pose, which reflects, you know, the transatlantic slave trade when the slaves came. No, well, they didn't come. They were forced to come to America. So, I mean, obviously it was backlash. Um, I mean, with that, because it's just not, it's just distasteful. And then she had the nerve to do it during Black History Month. Like It really was. <laughs> it's like they always pick our month to want to just do the utmost buffoonery. Um, but it just, ha it hasn't just been her. I feel like these stories are continuous. I know earlier you told me about a story about the football coach yeah there was this football coach I don't have the name I'll put it um I'll put it up for y'all but 
he he lost the game. He was telling his fans, you know, oh, sorry we lost, but y'all got to hang in there. Don't leave the plantation now. Don't leave it. You know, we all got to stick together. And we're like, what? Like, what is going on? Or plantation e- is just not a word you use in any analogy, any phrase, any anything. I mean, who... Where would that even like you know who who else can feel that more than people of like people of color black black people people, and it's 2021 and it's just like at this point I feel like they're doing this on purpose but it just the slavery yoga really stuck stood out to us for this particular episode because it's affecting the children okay kindergarten five and six like years being taught this is what they're being taught from the people that you are trusting to. Be the you know we talk about the future yeah. all the time in our episodes and, and this then, is just ridiculous. and then black history is already not taught the real black history is already not it's taught optional. in school and now you got this lady from Delaware teaching them yoga and a slavery lesson so moving on what's the what 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 what, 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 what little sound <laughs> effect can she get boo what a boo oh right, da, 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 da. like she need to be sent uh, somewhere guess, she guess, need to be guess. put on a boat to hell. Anyway, moving on. Now, I have a question. (laughs) I have a question. What's up? All right. Are children off limits in social media antics? I just want to know. I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to answer that last because I know the answer to this, but I want to know. I think so. If I ever catch my nephews on social media, it's, it's a wrap. I feel that social media is for, okay, high schoolers, teens, up, and adults. Um, If it comes... No, I mean, like... Okay, I'll let you finish, but what I meant was when it's like an argument or something, like, oh, like that's our a, children off limits yeah, in the, those conversations. But that's a given on a regular argument. If I have an issue with you, for example, I don't have children, but what am I bringing up your kids for? Your kids ain't do nothing to you me. You watch TV? No reality show that <laughs> you. <laughs> Um, Real Housewives of Atlanta. I know uh, love and hip hop, basketball wise, or even with Sky from Black Ink Crew. With she her, had, with yeah. her whole situation. She had her giving uncle. up her children for adoption, and like, but that was like a real good punchline for her for a while. Like yeah. that, everybody was coming for her motherhood. So I just wanted to know, like, for our viewers, would you consider children off limits? Because I mean, we say it, but when it benefits us to talk about somebody else, we we're quick to do it. I don't do that because I'm ready to fight <laughs> if it happens to me. So that's the one time where I'm like, okay, if you don't want bad things, <laughs> right? We don't promote violence on the Millennium right. Podcast. Boo, boo, <laughs> right? And <laughs> Which okay, one is that? but if that happens. I, I do upon others what I would want done to me in that situation. So, but it's definitely a hot topic. I feel like it's not talked about enough. I think children, family, at the end of the day, if you have a beef with someone, that's between you and the person. So moving on to parenting in the pandemic. Okay. The New York Times dropped an article detailing ways government employees, family, friends can cause stressors in working moms and overall lives. So when it comes to employers, um, you know, they ain't trying to pay for childcare. They ain't offering part-time hours at the same pay rate, hybrid office schedules, overlooking the pandemic era gaps in working on resumes when applying and you, the government. And when it comes to government financial assistance, it's tough to find paid leaves for sicknesses, especially if you get the coronavirus um, where 
the only rich country without a mandate paid leave or subsidized childcare. Let me add to that. So basically what you're talking about is that, okay, so this article came out and obviously we're all stressed. Working moms, uh, working parents, I feel, but this particular uh, article was towards working moms. I don't want it to come off to our listeners like we don't appreciate working parents in general, single dads, et cetera. I mean, we we had a single dad up on here, Key Wong. Shouts to Key Songs. So it's like, you know, that's important. But it's definitely something where this article was talking about what we can do to alleviate those stress. So what Cheryl was talking about is these are all the things employers can do, which is paying for that child care. This is what governments can do, uh, the government can do, which is, the fact that Cheryl's was just dropping them gyms, uh, Cheryl's find that flex bomb. That we are the only rich company without mandated paid leave or subsidized childcare. Okay, the tax credit that is now being proposed by President Biden is looking to increase it up to eight thousand dollars for families to spend on childcare, and then the child tax credit which nearly all parents collect, will also temporarily increase to 3000 for children under 18 and then uh, $3,600 for children under 6, up from 2000 per child. And let me tell y'all. <laughs> let me just See, be- she's a parent, so she, she knows, unlike me, which I don't got no kids. Let me just tell y'all, every bit of that money is it's much appreciated okay and um i mean it doesn't even put a dent in what we invest in our children Mm -hmm. but it it, it's definitely like even like how you think about it even how y'all uh people who have student loans you get some credit or a write-off when you pay your loans and payments etc it's the same thing for parents so this is what helps or like we uh, further in the article, it talks about even individuals specifically for men. Um, men are expected, and this is kind of where the bias part comes in. Okay. You can you can have a differing opinion. I'm sure you you might <laughs> will. But in the article, it 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 doesn't really acknowledge men at all, which is unfortunate. It says that men are asked to just step up altogether, pitch in with duties that you know, kind of like the gender roles of it all, mm-hmm. to offer help parents. Uh, with moms, with free babysitting, uh, sin activ- you know, things like that. Even with friends, they're saying sin activities, um, you know, help out your friends where you can. And then, you know, sin, uh, just even be, just be, be involved. Or just being a community and with when it comes to community. Like being a village. Being a village, which is the name of our episode. And but it takes a say, village. I have a question, though. What's up? What would you say for, just so we can include our men in this, what would you say we can do to help like single men parents or like single male parents or just like that comes with eliminating toxic toxic masculinity because <sighs> you know it go, it goes deep like we gotta we gotta um right. eliminate these double standards like these roles of men do this and females do this at the end of the day if that's your child. Y'all got to step up for the child. We didn't ask for this pandemic to happen. And okay, it happened, that's fair. So we got to do what we got to do. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. But after that, what would you recommend <laughs> for help? Um, I feel like for help, um, it takes a village. So reaching out to your family, yeah, reaching out to your friends. Maybe it 
it's more about like, you know, your schedule might have been used to hanging out with your friends or playing video games. It's like, nah, that's out now. Now you got to step up and do what you got to do or like switching, switching roles, switching roles. If I'm at work, well, I'm not. If you're at work, I know, I know. I wanted your opinion before I gave mine. If I'm at work, you watching the kids and vice versa. Okay. It, it shouldn't just be like, or or if I'm cooking dinner, you know, if I if there's if if I worked all day, then you should just cook dinner. Right. So it it comes with the gender roles, which we talked about on our other season. Yeah, we definitely topic. did. Um, but uh, just for our, our male listeners out there, I definitely think that the assistant go the assistants. If you have been paying attention to what we were saying. Just in general, from that, the most of that article, it applies to you. Mm -hmm. Like, as far as, you know, childcare, like everything applies to you except for where it comes for individual. I think how it does come is what Shiraz was saying about, you know, let's, let's really get that equal part into play. Like, because it's very, it's very, not seldom, I wouldn't say, I can't say to that, but it's, it's, it's hard to, it's like that extra lesson. Mm-hmm. You got to teach your kids. Now you got to teach a man on how, uh, on how to raise the kids. Like, But it's like also with that, I think that is an opinion. And I think we need to trust our males that they're going to step up and be black dads. Black fathers matter. Okay. So, you know, if you need help, very ask it takes, us. It takes a village. And it takes a village. Don't just ask your mama. Yeah. Ask all ask your, your family ask members. Ask the community. Like, ask your, your, the person who birthed your child, like very much be communicative but we're gonna transition because like we said in the beginning we have a very special guest dr rochelle whitaker and she is dropping these gems so stay tuned this week's black owned business of the week is a father and son duo from newark new jersey it's black wall streeter consultation services they are here to give everyone including our juniors financial advice on how to invest how to invest in stocks bonds, financial services all together. So make sure that you check them out at www.blackwallstreeter.com and let them know that the Millennial Podcast sent you. Make sure. <laughs> we have a special guest here to weigh in on the topic of parenting. I would like to introduce Dr. Rochelle Whitaker. She's an educational psychologist, on board certified in prenatal mental health, a parenting coach, trainer, and author. Welcome, Dr. Whitaker. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank, Thank you, you for, for being, being here. here. <laughs> uh, like, we feel that no one can do your bio better than yourself. So just tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am a maternal mental health expert. I have been working with um, moms of color suffering with postpartum depression, parenting issues for uh, 11 years. Um, I am also a parenting coach. I specialize in working with parents who have children with disabilities or who just gotten a diagnosis and aren't sure what to do. Um, yeah, I, I teach, I supervise, I do all this, all that fun stuff. And I'm also a mom. <laughs> woo woo! Hey, mom club! <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to jump right into it. Um, we're talking about maternal mortality rates. The CDC reports that Black women in America are over three times more likely to die from pregnancy-related causes than white women. Similar to New York cases with like Amber Isaac, Shaeja Washington, who both died after giving birth, after voicing their concerns of pregnancy prior to labor. So in the spirit of advocacy, because we like to 
advocate, what are the questions we can ask our doctors whom we may feel are brushing off medical concerns while pregnant? And is there a hierarchy of who you can speak to when it may be racially biased and perpetuating systemic racism? So what I would say is the questions begin long before you get pregnant. Um, It's the relationship that you have with your doctor because you'll have concerns about your health before you actually get pregnant. And depending on how your doctor responds to you is a determining factor of whether or not you continue to um, you continue care with that doctor. So if you have a doctor, you know, you're talking to them about, I don't know, maybe your cycles, you're having issues with your cycles and they're brushing you off. Then that in and of itself lets you know, okay, you know what? I probably need to seek out some other um, doctors or, you know, let me just go to a different doctor and see if if my relationship or their responses to me are different. Um, I also think it matters if, how your doctor responds to you when you're asking questions. Are they in and out? Are they like, you know, hurry up and trying to answer your questions? Are you even able to ask a question, right? Because mm-hmm. some doctors don't have time or you might say something. And by the time you can finish your sentence, they're like, I got to go. The nurse will answer your question. So to me, that's an indication that you need to begin to look elsewhere um, in terms of, you know, it's not working for you. And when you say you asked about a hierarchy, what can you do if your doctor is not meeting your needs. It depends on what kind of system you're in, right? Um, and so, for instance, if you are private HMO and your doctor is located in a hospital, then you can go to, um, like, the, you could probably make a, they come out with surveys all the time. And from what I understand, these surveys have weight, right? But you have to, like, answer them. You have to be honest and truthful, um, and if that's not working, you can go to the next person in charge. So the, the CEO, um, you can write a letter, you can email, but it's going to depend on the kind of system you're in. Because if you're like, you're in a regular clinic, maybe the clinic has like a business administrator that runs the clinic. Mm-hmm. They may not be in the medical aspects, but they would be able to, you would be able to voice your concerns to them. And probably what they're, <laughs> they probably won't tell you this, but what I would say is your best bet is just to find another doctor. If you're not getting the care, you feel like you deserve, even if you have, now this kid becomes tricky if you are maybe on Medicaid and I'm in Texas, so that's what we call the insurance. And it's usually for um, people who have, uh, are of a um, lower SES, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe lower SES, right? Um, And so you may not have as many options, but you still have some options. You don't just have to stay with that doctor because that's the only Medicaid provider, right? Because there are more. They just may be harder to find. Okay. Um, thank you for that. I think it, it definitely is a conversation that doesn't get really delved into um, deeply because, you know, everybody's like, oh, I want to stick with my one doctor. Or some people have the same doctor since when they were 18. So, you know, they yeah. believe that that loyalty with them sticks. Um, but definitely want to know with the whole, with that being the case of, um, the mortality rates. Would you consider adding a doula or a midwife as medical providers, um, in addition to doctors, a way to combat the medical oversight and implicit bias? Or would you say that it should be one or the other? So I've heard from women who've had a midwife or had a doula or had a combination of both, and they still felt um, they still had issues with the doctor, you know, listening to them. So it, it really depends on the relationship with your doctor, because if your doctor doesn't respect the midwife or, or the position of a midwife or the position of a doula, you're going to have the same issue. Um, and okay. so 
I think it really starts with, you know, being in having a good relationship and choosing your doctor carefully. I do think maybe having somebody to advocate for you helps, but that implicit bias is there and it's so, people aren't even aware of it. So Mm -hmm. doctors have this bias that they aren't even aware of. So when you bring things to their attention, a lot of times they get on the defense before they can even hear you know what you're saying so that's why I think it's so important that you just you if you you know choosing a provider that will listen um now you know some women don't use doctors some use some women use midwives for that exact reason um and so there is no they just you know I'm just gonna have a midwife and babies have been born by midwives for centuries right long before we had doctors and hospitals and you know segregation was one of those things that kept you know um african-americans out of the hospital so they had midwives so those are, I think those are good resources. I just don't know if, how much it will prevent. Now, the Black community is very apprehensive when it comes to the medical field, sciences. Mm-hmm. I mean, a prime example is Henrietta Lacks and dealing with the coronavirus vaccine, um, mm-hmm. you know, the prep of pregnancy. So when a couple confirms being pregnant, what, what would you consider or expect of those parents and being in their transparency with their doctors, because, you know, I want to kind of see the other side of it where, you know, maybe these women weren't as truthful or forthcoming with, you know, their preexisting conditions or et cetera. So, you know, how transparent would you expect those parents to be? I would expect you to be extremely transparent, right? Just because you never know what can happen there are so many things that can happen when a woman becomes pregnant. Um, and, and that's a whole nother thing that we don't really even talk about. I've heard uh, an older woman say, you're, no, you're not closer to death than when you are pregnant or giving birth. So I think it's wow. extremely important that you're yeah. open and honest about pre-existing conditions, about family history, about anything that could impact you in pregnancy, especially with the maternal mortality rate as it is for African-American women. And if you feel like you can't be open and honest with your doctor, you need another doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. That's that's so true. I'm glad that you're very like, if that doctor doesn't work for you, pick another one. I feel like that's not a conversation that I hear often. Even my own mother, like my own mother, she still goes to this same doctor and I'm that she's had for years who won't return her calls, who, who will just push pills consistently, um, without even exploring a natural, you know, uh, element or exploring a natural route for her. Mm -hmm. And it scares me, you know, I'm trying to now play doctor, you know, Yeah, it's just, it's just that I'm just so grateful that you have that, you know, outlook. So I think that it's a mindset, right? Like, I think that, and I'm not sure how old your parents are. But it's because I've had the same conversations with my own mother. Like, this doctor giving you all this. Every time you feel like something's wrong, she's giving you a, a medication or a prescription. You need to, like, let's go try somebody else. And she's like, well, no, she has my medical records. Okay, they're electronic now. Right. So <laughs> and this right? guy's still writing on a, in a notebook, can't even read his own notes. I'm like, uh-uh, <laughs> dinosaur. It is time, <laughs> it is time to change. <laughs> but go ahead, Cheryl. So since we're speaking about um, medical records, I wanted to ask you, how can parents get access to hospital records detailing maternal mortality rates or overall questionable occurrences at the institution? So you can go to the CDC. Um, they're always posting reports and trends. They have a maternal maternal mortality um, like literature that they're always um, putting out. 
So I would say that would probably be the first place um, to go. Just check CDC. And I would also say, talk to the people, you know, talk to other people that you know who've been at the hospital. Because what it really is, it's not necessarily the hospital. It's going to be your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I can attest to that from my own personal experience. It has everything to do with your doctor and not so much the hospital. Now, if you if you are, because we know that there's there's differences in care when you have private insurance and when you're using um, like the systems insurance, like I said, in Texas, it's Medicaid. Yeah. That doesn't happen all the time, but a lot of times it does. And so you don't get the best care because they have already kind of stereotyped you into this box yeah, um, yeah. or, you know, know that you don't have an, they think that you don't have an advocate or, or you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, we know that's not true, but I think a lot of doctors feel that way. Yeah. And so your treatment is based on, to some degree, on that. So to me, it all starts with your doctor, right? Because if your doctor is, if you have, you know, this type of insurance, but the doctor is still consistent in her treatment and she's treating you well, then even when you go to the hospital, unless that doctor's not there, right? Because your doctors can only work so much. So they can only work, deliver babies. Yeah. They have sick relations. So then that becomes an issue, but that's something that you want to talk to your doctor about too. What happens if you're not on call? What happens if you're not, basically just have those concerns, like basically lay it out on the table of a contingency plan so that you're, so that everybody's transparent for, you know, and forthcoming. Got you. Yes, exactly. So moving forward, because we have a lot of tea, we want to get, we want to get all (laughs) the answers. So we're going to move along. So what a lot of our listeners uh, have been asking about obviously parent listeners as well is the talk it's this big thing about the talk yep. but I'm gonna need you to break down the talk in di- in kind of like different categories so basically mm-hmm. about being black obviously having to talk about being black because you're black so you have that perspective but also when it comes to I guess when I'm asking about the development so that's where the you know medicinal part of it comes in because is is, is it factored in but uh, okay, so let me start. Being black and also LGBTQ um, uh, conversations. So and also with that, women talk- too. What? And women in general too. Oh, okay, so yes, being black, a woman, LGBTQ. We want to know when is the right time and or developmental stage to have those talks. So okay, so the question about being black, it's going to depend because I've heard of three, four, and five year olds. Ha- bringing it up, right? If they're in a predominantly um, non-Black environment and kids are picking on them or saying things, so then they start to ask questions. So then you address it at that time, right? Um, I think that as a parent, you should always be telling your child how beautiful they are, affirming them, right? So that it's, because it's going to come up, um, but they already have an identity that's positive and they know who they are. And that should start really like, out the womb, right? If you get yeah. into the habit of it, then it becomes, a, you know, it becomes natural and easy. In terms of LGBT, LGBTQIA, um, or I just say LGBTQ plus, so to include <laughs> any or every new, you know, alphabet that may be added to this acronym, but yes. yes. I think that that's a conversation that you have as it comes. I feel like it's something that you have as it comes up. Um, okay. because it can be confusing if you're trying to explain to a three-year-old they, they're not they're not clear yet on their them, their self right so trying to explain that to them is, 
they're like, what? What? I don't know what you're talking about. Um, So I think for them, it can be confusing. I only ask that because um, I had uh, in my research of talking with you uh, today, uh, I had came across something. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, EJ, um, who is Magic Johnson's son. Mm -hmm. He's he's um, gay. He's declared himself identity. Uh, gay and uh, his mother came out with a book in 2016 talking about how you know just that whole conversation but she's uh come out to say that she regrets like what she mainly wants to tell parents is that you know uh embrace who they are early and and basically like to accept them for who they are so if i guess if they if Mm -hmm. she noticed his mannerism mannerisms or you know how he conducted himself with others that you know it should be talked about so it's almost like it sounded like she propositioned the com she wished she would have propositioned the conversation to him so that's why Mm -hmm. i was asking you you know what might be better or is it one of those you know case by case because People talk about it every day. So I'm just trying to figure out what's the norm. Do I say, you know, hey, I noticed you, you know, paying extra attention to another woman, you know, because my my daughter, I have daughters. You're paying attention to another girl. Like, should I, you know, I don't want to impose myself. So that's why I'm like, you know, help us out. Right. So it becomes difficult, right? Because it, it depends on how you're raising your kids, right? Because you, I don't know if you all remember this whole thing with like Target having a girl's aisle for toys and then having a boy's aisle for toys and it shouldn't be. And so it really depends on how you raise your kids. Because if you're raising your kids to be genderless, then they're not socialized to think like, because I'm a girl, I'm only, I'm only going to, I should be this certain kind of way, which is as a parent, what you're looking at. Like you're judging their mannerisms or maybe the way they're talking, but that's not necessarily indicative of their their um, sexual orientation, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it just, the two, I know that we like to think that they are <laughs> related, related, but they aren't. It's just how we've been socialized to believe. So if you allow your kids to, if she's a girl and she likes trucks to play with trucks, you know, another parent might be like, oh my gosh, she's t- she's a tomboy or she's going to like girls, but girls can't like trucks. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so boys can't like dolls. I mean, that's just, those are social, social norms that we place on um, gender roles. And I feel like as parents, you have to, so what she said about knowing who your child is and embracing who they are is really important. Allowing them to be who they are, allowing them to play with whatever they play with without putting a label to it okay that okay. I think is key okay. okay so then it would be more natural to have that conversation if it does come up because it's like okay I just let you do what you you know felt naturally right so if like you're creating an uh, uh, an atmosphere where they can be open to be who they are and say hey mom or you know dad I'm feeling this or I'm noticing this or I'm Whatever that is, you want to create that kind of open environment. Okay. And that's what that does. Okay. okay. So switching gears to the adult experience, I wanted to ask you, would you agree if I said that every adult experience childhood trauma that needs working through and healing in their adult life? No. Okay. okay. Well, I, I wouldn't say that every okay. every child has experienced trauma. Trauma is relative to the person who's experienced it right 
um, trauma is some like you could have an experience. And to me as a therapist, it could seem like it's traumatic, but to you, that's not how you define it. Okay. And so I don't want to put my thoughts onto something that you experience and make it into a trauma. trauma. So that's yeah, why okay. I, I don't believe that every child has, you know, experienced a, a traumatic event in their life. Cause it's going to depend on how you, how you define it and how you respond to it. Okay. okay. Um, that, that's a, that's an interesting um, point that you uh, said. I didn't, I'm going to be quite uh, honest. I did not expect for you to not agree. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> I, we did. I did not expect because, okay. I, I just didn't expect that, but I'm glad that you have that um, from obviously a very uh, verified uh, experience with your career. But I, I guess why we wanted to ask that is because, uh, for example, when you're building relationships with your child and, or when we get into it later about, I want to talk about single parenthood specifically for our listeners. Mm -hmm. It's like when you're building that and you're not, I have here, like not present for your child due to work. Um, I have, you know, we talked about earlier in our ep uh, episodes of the season that a median household takes at least 70K to live, mm -hmm. you know, above the line. And so with that, you know, parents, both parents in that uh, analogy is working 24, eight, multiple jobs. And the, so obviously I would believe that the quality time would suffer, but where, where is that trans? Is there, is that where the transparency with the kid comes into play? Like, even if they're, you know, some kids, I mean, some parents believe, oh, I'm honest with my kids about never being around, but sometimes that's not enough. You know, mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I, I watch a lot of reality TV, so I see like a lot of uh, kids like, mom, you were out, you know, with your bookings and things, you weren't around me. And even though they liked the lapse of luxury, it was like, I still mm -hmm. wanted you home. So we asked, you know, what are some tools, conversations or goals that parents can realistically aim towards to keep from adding more of that, um, those experiences, because they're not traumas, that's uh. You know, based on the, I, I, you know, had that to the children. What would you say are great tools for parents? So I would say, number one, deal with your own stuff, right? So before, you know, if, if you're just, if you're thinking, if you're in this position where you're thinking about having kids and you're in a space where you're planning, I would say, work on your own stuff, right? Because if you don't, you're going to bring that into, into parenting. Um, and so I would say, you know, work on your own stuff, but I would also say, so what do you, you mean by about work on your own stuff? Whatever your stuff is. So that that could be how you feel about yourself. Okay. It could be um, what you internalized in your own childhood. It, it may not have come from your parents. It could have come from your friends. It could have come from the environment that you were in. Working through some of that, right? Um, now, you asked me, has everybody experienced a childhood trauma? I don't believe so. But everybody has stuff, Baggage. right? It doesn't. Yeah. Um, and so it's working through that stuff. So you don't bring that into your parenting experience and as much as you can, right? We're not right. perfect. Exactly. We're going to make mistakes, but working on some of that stuff that gives you pause or makes you reluctant to do X, Y, and Z, right? Because then in, unintentionally, you will do that to your child too um, if you haven't dealt with it yourself. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, so that only answers part. That's, so that's a tool. But I would also say, the open and transparency is another thing. So, because you can raise two kids in a home and 
they're completely different and how they their perspective on what happened is mm-hmm. is completely. so different like so one kid can be like mom wasn't at home because she was working she was trying to make ends meet we didn't have this 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 and this and then the other child could be like I felt shafted and jaded right Got so you. I think that you have to talk to your kids based on who they are right because they're they're different and they're individuals um and so I think it's 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 important um but you're not going to get it I don't know of any parent who's got it 100% right right you do the best that you can um but I think it's really important that you keep an open dialogue at all costs got you so okay (laughs) I was going to say uh about touching on single parenthood um for a bit and also to your point about parents need to deal with their own stuff before they, you know, become parents. Now I'm asking you about that. For those adults that have that stuff, if they're not, if they're apprehensive about therapy, what would you say? Because I feel like for you, that might be the top choice. But after that, (laughs) what would you recommend for those parents or um, in the dating world, et cetera, to deal with those generational, what I can, what I consider to be generational curses, you know, if you're putting it on to your children. So what would you recommend? So I would say, um, you know, doing some of the work, the first part of that is like recognizing and realizing that there is an issue, right? So you, you have to know that you have your own stuff and you have to own it, right? Because if you don't own it, you can't do anything about it. And so I know that everybody's not going to go to therapy. Um, and so journaling is one way, listening to podcasts that are talking about the issue that you're dealing with. So for instance, if you were raised in a fatherless home, maybe it's listening to a podcast or reading books that are sending around how to deal with, you know, an absentee parent. Um, so it doesn't always have to be, you know, their support groups. Um, I would say don't go at it alone, but yeah. using resources, you know, books and um, you know, now they have coaches that have the, that target these specific types of issues. So maybe that's another way. Um, but so utilizing other resources, if not therapy, something else, journaling, coaching, podcasting. Um, we are, um, you know, thank goodness for technology because yeah, we have yeah. so many resources at our I was fingertips. just about to say, <laughs> I was about to say, oh, All of this is like technology. podcast. This is new. So yep. this is new avenues for parents but go ahead Cheryl so I want to switch gears to um what's going on in the news um there was a story that's been going viral about Shania Bell are you familiar Mm -hmm. with the story yeah okay Okay. um for our listeners who's not familiar Shania Bell is the mother facing child endangerment charges because she left her daughters alone in a motel to go to work and I wanted to ask you do you believe child endangerment charges are warranted against Shania Bell? I feel like they should have handled this in a different way, right? Because if she was in the club, that would be one thing. She was then, you know, that would look like neglect. I, it doesn't seem like from what I've read that she was trying to neglect them. She didn't have the resources that she needed to be able to do both, right? Oh, yeah. Um, I think that maybe she could use some parenting classes because of what on one article I read, her older daughter didn't want to like didn't want to go. She wanted right. to stay there. And so that's kind of like, well, as a parent, you say, well, just because you want to do something doesn't mean that that's the best decision, right? Exactly. But I also don't know what her resources were like. So I know that it's not, in one article, it said the dad calls the uh, Child Protective Services and reported that, that's what I read. And so I'm like, well, if you're the dad, why aren't you making yourself available to, to, to watch your kids? Then I saw another thing about her mom 
and I don't know her, I don't know the story behind her mom, but it doesn't sound like she was a support to her to be able to watch her kids. But when she got, when they were starting to give money and donations, mom was commenting on that. So I think that it's unfair. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) I think it's, it's unfair for us to be punitive over a woman who's probably working a minimum wage job. She's working in a pizza parlor. Yeah, um, so yeah. she, she can't afford childcare, right? It's, how is that, how does that work? And so, but there are lots of people who, who are doing that, especially in this pandemic. There are lots of people who've had to make choices that they wouldn't ordinarily make because they don't have any other options. Exactly. exactly. Well, we thank you so, so much, much, Dr. Whitaker, for being here. Um, we have gotten so many gems. We yeah, might have to so hit much. you up offline <laughs> to just get some more, but definitely, um, please, we want to give you this opportunity to share with our listeners, you know, why they should listen to your podcast, your platforms, et cetera. And yeah, just poach our listeners. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Thank you ladies for having me. It was great. Um, so I have a, I'm also a podcast host. I have the Mahogany Moms podcast and it really, it really has come from my work. Um, trying to normalize this thing called motherhood we hear so much um, positive about motherhood and there is there's a lot of positive a lot of joy but we rarely hear about the challenges so when moms start to feel a certain kind of way about the challenges they keep it to themselves and then they feel like they're alone and they suffer in silence and so the podcast just gives rise to some of those challenges that we face as moms Um, and again I work with parents who um, I specialize in working with parents who have children with who've gotten a diagnosis of a disability and they don't know what to do. They don't know what resources are out there. They don't know, they need support. Um, and so, yeah, listen to my Mahogany Moms podcast and then you can find out about my parent coaching. You can find information on the mahoganymomspodcast.com website or you can go to nextstepseducation.com. It sounds like we need to have yeah. Dr. Whitaker back <laughs> exactly. for part two, but go ahead, Cheryl. So now, I just wanted to firstly thank you for being a guest, you shed a lot of light on topics that aren't really talked about. And I love the fact that you had a different perspective from us because that just made us <laughs> open our minds even more. So we uh, awesome. love to welcome you to the TMP family and we'll definitely talk to you soon. So in conclusion, we dropped a lot of gems about parenting during the pandemic. We talked about the mortality rate when it comes to black pregnancies. And of course, we had an amazing guest who just gave so much knowledge. I think that it's really important to understand that parenting really does take a village. Um, Dr. Rochelle Whitaker really uh, spread gems on how to talk to your children, be transparent with your doctors, um, not fall into... uh, loyalty for them they don't have loyalty for you you don't need to have loyalty for them um speaking you know just to yourself make sure that you feel right um involve your family in those circumstances and um really just focus on being a better you what you would have wanted from your parents be that for your children And that's really all we can say. Break these generational curses, okay? Right. (laughs) So we thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Millennial Podcast. We have so much more episodes in store for you. So make sure you support our Patreon. Make sure you check out our website and join our mailing list. And of course, follow us on all social media platforms. So see you next time. Cheers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got nothing in your cup. <laughs>
Millennium Millennium Podcast. Podcast.